Shavua Tov, everybody. Welcome to Parashat Vaishlah. I'd like to begin with the timeless advice that psychiatrist Carl Jung gave to mental health practitioners all over the world. He says, People forget that even doctors have moral scruples and that certain patients' confessions are hard even for a doctor to swallow. Yet the patient does not feel himself accepted unless the very worst of him is accepted too. No one can bring this about by mere words. It comes only through reflection and through the doctor's attitude toward himself and his own dark side. If the doctor wants to guide another or even to accompany him a step of the way, he must feel with that person's psyche. The truly religious person has this attitude. He knows that God has brought all sorts of strange and inconceivable things to pass and seeks in the most curious ways to enter a man's heart. He therefore senses in everything the unseen presence of the divine will. In short, what Dr. Jung is saying is that for a psychiatrist to actually properly treat a patient, they must fully accept their own dark side. So let's see some questions from our parasha on how this relates to Dr. Jung's words. We all know the famous story Yaakov is by himself and he's fighting a mysterious man. Who was this mysterious assailant? And on the assumption that the man is in fact an angel, because of course afterwards Yaakov says he saw the face of God. If this was a divine emissary, then why did God send him? Furthermore, what is the meaning of the injury to Yaakov, the blessing to Yaakov, and the renaming of Yaakov as Israel? Hearing all these questions, you start to realize that reading this story places us, metaphorically, in the exact same position of Yaakov Avinu. We too are wrestling with a mysterious yet clearly significant unknown. Well, to get a deeper glimpse into this, let's look at the words of the Rashbam. The Rashbam brilliantly notes a parallel between the textual context of Yaakov's wrestling match and the story of David HaMelech crossing the river, running away from his son Avshalom. Just like Yaakov got up in the middle of the night, so too David got up in the middle of the night. The word avar, to cross over, appears three times in the Yaakov story and also three times in the David story, both of them crossing a body of water in the middle of the night. And finally, as Rashbam notes, the two crossings happen geographically in the same spot. How do we know? Well, after David crosses the river, he arrives at Mahanaim, the place where Yaakov just was. So Rashbam concludes something very important that we didn't know until now. Just like David HaMelech was crossing in order to flee Avshalom, so too Yaakov Avinu is crossing to flee Esav. The two are both stories of avoidance. Let's fast forward a bit. When they do finally meet, the encounter of Yaakov and Esav is the polar opposite of the episode of the blessings. In place of Esav serving and bowing, it's Yaakov who is serving and bowing. Yaakov even says at one point, take the blessing, take the blessing that I took from you. This is in fact exactly as Yaakov had arranged it. We know earlier on he says, I'm seeking atonement from my brother, maybe he will forgive me. In case you weren't yet convinced of this, 
Hesav even says at one point, Yesh li Rav, Ahi lecha He says the word Rav and the word Ahi. He says, I have a lot, but in, this is an unmistakable echo of what we heard from the oracle to Rivka, Viravi Avod Sa'ir. It was an ambiguous prophecy at the time, but now we see Isav is really the one who is Rav. And he is going to be served by the Tsair. So how did Yaakov muster up the courage to finally seek a resolution with his brother Isav? Well, if you look, amazingly, the text says Yaakov tried to sleep, but then he gets up in the middle and he couldn't sleep. The internal struggle Yaakov is going through proves overwhelming. Out of fear, habit, guilt, maybe a sense of not deserving divine protection, or maybe a mix of them all. Yaakov rises and attempts to run away from his problems. But Hashem saw Yaakov's desire to transform. So he presented Yaakov with the transformative experience that he needed. Because that's what Hashem does for us, even when we're running. We all know the story. The angel, the fight, the name change to Yisrael. Ultimately, Hashem proves to Yaakov that now he can meet with almost any challenge. He teaches Yaakov that just as he can complete the internal struggle, so too he can face his brother Isav. So we'll return to our original question. Who was this man? And what was this struggle? I think you already know the answer. Yaakov was struggling with a part of himself, a part of his own psyche. Just like we pointed out last week with Lavan, where he was having a debrothering experience with Lavan. Now he's struggling with that part of himself that bent the rules all these weeks that we were reading. The part of himself that was willing to deceive his own father and brother. Even the part of himself that was willing to originally be buddy-buddy with Lavan and do business with a Ramai, with a trickster. Yaakov decided on a new identity. So he merited to now be called Yisrael, as we all know, Yashar'el, the one who is straight with God. But we're still left with a burning question. The very next pasuk after the name change, we still call him Yaakov. What's going? What gives? This never happens with anybody else's name change. Why does Yaakov still keep his old name? Rabbi Shama points out really beautifully and brilliantly in recalling the covenant. They found archaeologically this name Yaakov often appeared in the ancient world with a suffix. That suffix is El. So Yaakov El was the name. And that meant something very different than what was originally attributed to Yaakov being crooked, like the heel. Instead, that name meant to go in the footsteps of God. So Yaakov is able to transform his old name and maintain his old name. It would have been very easy to leave behind his old identity and now become Yisrael. Much more difficult to transform his prior identity. And the message is clear, you can never leave behind your old self, but you can transform it. So let's go back to the advice of Carl Jung. In order for each of us to manifest our best selves, in order for us to pave the path towards God, we must emulate Yaakov Avinu. We cannot run away from the darkness that is latent within ourselves. We must make peace with the shadow element. The Yetzir Hara, if you will. And only then can we seek to transform the evil in others and in the world around us. 
Thank you very much, and Shabbat Tov.